You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Yeah, thank you guys so much. It's an honor to be with you. It's a joy to be with you. I just have to say, you know, Pastor Dustin mentioned it. We met a couple of years ago, and we met through a cohort of pastors from around the country, one from Canada, so extra grace for him. And uh, no one's, is anyone from Canada? By the way, I just don't, are you from Canada, sir? Oh my goodness. I hope I didn't offend you. Um, (laughs) Go Maple Leafs or whatever, I don't know. None of us watch hockey, right? You guys have a hockey team though, in Florida, the Panthers, okay. But you don't watch them, right? Just admit it, you don't really watch them. Um, Anyways, I'm part of this pastor's cohort and... uh, these are incredible men leading incredible churches, highly gifted leaders, it's about seven or eight of us. And a few times a year we get together and every time we get together, it's a strange thing. We're getting together to sharpen one another and develop our leadership skills and all of those things. But every time we would get together on one of the evenings around the fire pit in the backyard or the, or the dinner table, um, Pastor Dustin would begin to do the thing that Pastor Dustin does and he would begin to pastor the rest of the pastors, myself included. (laughs) And all of us, we're on this text thread, all of us, it's just very clear. We're all pastors, you know, we do pastoring ministry, but Pastor Dustin is like, he embodies what it means to be a pastor. And the reason I share that with you is because I, I just want you to know, I know you know that about him. I was walking with him during and before and after the first service, and it like took us six hours to get from the lobby to the bathroom because he's just stopping to hug to pastor everybody. And um, so what you experience of Pastor Dustin, I just want you to know, it's not him putting on his pastor hat on Sunday morning. It is who he is. It's who God is made him to be, and what that means for you is you are, yeah. Um, I know that when you are a part of a church community, it can be easy to just like, oh yeah, that's just how it goes. That's not how it goes all the time, everywhere. And so you have an incredible gift here in your pastor and the incredible team that um, God is building here. So just want you to know that. Uh, Let's begin here. I want to show you an image. This is actually an artist's rendering of a story that was in a newspaper, and it's a story um, that took place, a true story that took place uh, a long time ago, not that long, but kind of a long time ago, 1808 in France. In 1808 in France, there were two men, Mr. De Pique and Mr. de Grand Prix, and Mr. De Pique and Mr. de Grand Prix had a conflict. They were both in love with the same woman a woman named Miss Tara V. And Miss Tara V could not decide between these two men. She was like, they're both awesome. I don't know. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so Mr. De Grand Prix and Mr. De Peak decide to do what men at the time would often do. It sounds barbaric to us, but this was common practice at the time, about 100, 220 years ago or whatever. It was common practice when there was a conflict that the two people in conflict would challenge each other to a duel to the death with guns, with pistols. 
Now, Mr. de Grand Prix and Mr. de Peak, they considered themselves socially elite. So they decided, you know what, instead of just walking out into an open field and trying to shoot each other, why don't we make a spectacle of our duel? So these two men decide, this is a true story, they decide that they are going to duel each other to the death in hot air balloons. And they spread the news all over town. So on May 3rd, 1808, hundreds of people gather, and Mr. de Grand Prix and Mr. de Peak they get into their hot air balloons, they elevate over a thousand feet into the sky, and they start shooting each other with pistols. Eventually, Mr. De Peak shoots and punctures Mr. De Grand Prix's balloon. Mr. De Grand Prix's basket tips over, and De Grand Prix falls to his death, and De Peak wins the love of Miss Terravie. True story. And then their marriage did not last. It did not end well. That's also a true story. Why do I share that with you? You know, I think sadly for many of us, maybe most of us, myself included, when I think about the season that is upon us, the holidays, Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas get-togethers, whatever it might be, instead of this feeling of overwhelming joy and anticipation, looking forward to the peace that the season offers us, honestly, most of the time, I feel like I'm getting ready to get into a hot air balloon and have a duel to the death. You know, like making forced small talk with that coworker at the holiday party and you just can't stand that person. The fear, right? The real fear that that particular topic is gonna come up at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Maybe it's the anxiety of seeing that family member at Christmas that you just totally don't want to see. This is really interesting because, again, it sounds crazy, but Christmas is just about six weeks away. Now think about this. When we think about Christmas, we have all of this imagery in our minds, right? The nativity scenes. And there's always the little shepherd boys. And think about that scene in the Bible, Luke chapter 2. The angel meets the shepherds, and then this happens. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts, that's like a bunch of angels, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, here's the key word, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. That's the promise of Christmas. It's the thing we all want, not just during the holidays, all throughout life. In all of life, we want peace. Not only do we want peace, for those of us in the room who are Christians, followers of Jesus, peace is actually the thing God has called you to. Romans chapter 12, what does it say? Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But think about the next six weeks. Is peace the first thing that comes to mind? For most of us, especially during the holidays, we feel and we experience so much that isn't peace. Relational tension, frustration, anxiety, even anger. Which is why last Sunday, Pastor Dustin started us off on this series, Speak Life, How to Redeem and Revive the Holidays Through the Power of Our Words. 
And today we're exploring a word that we teach even our youngest children at the earliest ages to say. And it's an easy word to say, but a really difficult word to live and to model. It's the word please. I have two young children. My daughter Harper is eight. My son Simon is five. And they're pastor's kids. I'm a pastor at a church, much like Journey, back home in California. And um, we try as best as we can to make sure that our kids have a normal church experience. We try really hard to make sure they don't get like oversaturated with the special treatment of being my kids or whatever. But they, they take advantage. They really do. Every Sunday, in fact, it's probably about to happen shortly in, a, in about an hour and a half when my wife takes them to church. Um, after kids' church, my, my two kids, along with like this little gang of their friends, because they're my kids' friends, they make a beeline to the lobby of our church. And they'll go to our welcome center where Miss Faith, who is our, our uh, guest experience director, where she's always there waiting to receive them with open arms. And, and they know that Miss Faith always has mints and lollipops. And they're actually for our guests, but my kids don't care. They're like, I'm a guest. I'm a guest every Sunday, <laughs> right? So they make a beeline to Miss Faith, and time and time again, I have to correct them because they have this posture of just, it's mine. This is mine. So rather than being polite, what do they do? They just go up, smile at Miss Faith, and grab mints and lollipops. And over and over again, over and over again, I have to teach them, what do you say? It's like, may I please have a lollipop? And they're always doing it after they already have the lollipop in their mouth, you know? They're like, can I have a lollipop, right? And I'm just trying to teach them the word please. We do this all the time. But here's the thing. Please is much bigger than just being polite or saying the magic word to get the thing you want. Please, at its best, is taking on the posture of humility and of honoring and putting others before ourselves. Mark Batterson, who's a pastor out in Washington, D.C., he puts it this way. He says, please, is setting aside your preferences, relinquishing your rights, giving others the upper hand, honoring others above yourself. And Jesus himself models this posture of please. Philippians chapter 2 in your relationships with one, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. More on that in a moment. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Let me show you this next image. In our world today, in our culture, we look up to the people who are most opportunistic, superior, confident trailblazers. Those are the heroes in our midst, right? Those are the people we look at and say, man, they've got it all together. They take advantage of every opportunity. They are clearly superior to the rest of us. More talent, more skill, more resources, whatever. They're confident in their own abilities. And they're blazing a trail, man. They're going a path no one has gone and let's just all follow. That's what culture values. But what does Jesus model? 
Jesus models disadvantage, servanthood, humility, obedience. Listen, if there was ever a person in human history that could have said, I have opportunity, I am superior, I am supremely confident, and I am a trailblazer. If there was ever anyone in human history that could have said that about themselves, it was Jesus. And yet, what does Jesus actually do? He models disadvantage, servanthood, humility, and obedience. And what does Paul say in the passage, the writer, Paul, what does he say in the passage I just read? He says to all of us, have the same mindset as Christ. A posture of please is a life that models the servanthood that Jesus modeled, the humility of Jesus, a willingness to disadvantage ourselves for the sake of others and to obey God's call to live this way. So the question, that sounds great, Jay, that's what you're thinking, but how? That looks nice on a slide, but how do I do that? How is that even possible? Two thoughts that I hope will be helpful for us. First, we can embody and model a posture of please by valuing gratitude over expectation. 16 years ago, I was dating a girl named Jenny, and I had come to the, we'd been dating for about five years at that point, and I'd come to the realization, this is it. This is the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with. So I took as much money as I could possibly save in muster and bought this small little diamond ring. And then I planned the most elaborate proposal day ever. It was an all-day thing where I sent her on this crazy scavenger hunt to visit all of these different locations that were meaningful in our relationship. I had all of these friends of ours stationed throughout the day at these locations, and eventually it all led her to a restaurant where I had booked a room with a view of the city, this private room, and she comes up to the room, and her friends had had a dress ready at her friend's house, and she's looking as beautiful as ever. And I had the engagement ring on the table as she walked in. So at this point, she already knows what's going to happen, right? And I knew she was going to say yes. We'd been dating for five years. Um, we had talked about marriage. I, this was just, it was just like, you know, a formality. I knew she was going to say yes. And then she walks in, she's beaming, I'm beaming, I'm so nervous. She sits down at the table, she sees the ring, and she looks at me because she knows what's about to happen, and I look at her, and guess what I did? Nothing. <laughs> I just stared at her. I was so nervous, I was like, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I knew mentally, but my body didn't follow. So she's staring at me, I'm staring at her, she's waiting for me to ask, and I'm just doing nothing. And eventually, I, I was so frozen, so stuck by my nerves, that she had to instruct me step by step. <laughs> this is a true story. She looks at me and she says, do you want to ask me a question? <laughs> and I said... I don't know, do you want me to ask you a question? <laughs> and she literally, she had to say like, yes, do you want to get on your knee and ask, you don't have to, but do you want to? And I'm just like, do you want me to get on my knee? You know, it's just like this long thing. Why? 
I knew she was going to say yes. It was guaranteed. Why was I so nervous? Because I was grateful. Like I couldn't believe this woman was going to say yes to spending the rest of her life with me. I was overwhelmed with gratitude and I just couldn't believe it and I was frozen. When we approach relationships with a posture of expectation, think about this. If you approach your Thanksgiving dinner table or Christmas or whatever with a posture of of expectation, the very best that the other person can do, the very best, is meet expectations. But if you would approach your relationships with a posture of gratitude, the very worst that you can do is gratitude. Let me just say that again. As you think about Thanksgiving dinner, the Christmas get-together, whatever it might be, and all of the tension, if you approach those relationships with expectation, this is the bar and you better meet it. You better not say that thing that really gets under my skin. You better not bring up that topic that you know I can't stand, right? Expectation. The very best they can do is just meet expectations. But if you go in with gratitude, you know, regardless of what happens, what a gift that I have a family. As messed up as it is, and every family is messed up, by the way, you guys. There is not a normal family on the planet, okay? If it's gratitude, just like the fact that I have breath and life, that there's a meal that we are about to share together, then the worst you can do is gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5, give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. When that person brings up that topic you hate talking about, when so-and-so says such and such about whoever, in all circumstances, Give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Gratitude over expectation. Second, how do we take on a posture of please? We value love over convenience. That's how. Love is, by its nature, inconvenient. Culture wants to tell us that love is a feeling. It's butterflies in the stomach. But the Bible tells us something different. 1 John chapter 4, this is love. Not that we loved God but that he, God, loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. One theologian puts it this way, love is to will the good of the other. To will it. I mean, that, that's an act of discipline and action. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, and this is a long quote, but it's really helpful. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The posture of please asks us to take the risk of loving someone even if it hurts. 
This holiday season, it might mean for you prioritizing a relationship over an opinion. For you, it might mean keeping a promise or a commitment even when better options arise. For you, it might mean empathizing with that person even if you have differences in terms of politics. Um, a couple of years ago, I, uh, on a Sunday morning, I drove into church, and it was pretty early, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning or something, hardly anybody there, but I'm about to go into my office and just sort of prepare for the day, and I see this car and a young woman in her 20s sitting in the car all alone, and I can tell by the look on her face something wasn't okay. So I gently knock on her window, she rolls down her window, and I just ask, hey, are you okay? Do you need some help? What's going on? And she says, I'm here to meet with a pastor. I say, do you know who? And she says, I'm here to meet with the pastor that prays with people. And I said, okay, do you know who? You know, I was like, that's everybody. And then she, long story short, she's like, I think it's like Bob or Bill. And I said, oh, Ben, are you here to meet with Pastor Ben? And Pastor Ben is our, our pastoral care pastor. He really is the pastor who like really prays with people. It's like, oh, she was accurate. And she says, yeah, 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 I'm here to meet with Pastor Ben. So I said, okay, it's cold outside. Why don't, he should be here any minute. Why don't you come wait in the office? So she walks in with me. She's sitting in the office. I go to my office. And a few moments later, I see Pastor Ben walk in. And I see the two of them go into our counseling room. And I can see them through the window just having this conversation. I don't give it a second thought. And we go on and I preach uh, that day in all of our services. And we, we happen to be having baptisms that day. And um, we had baptisms at the end of every service. And at the end of the final service of the day, every time we have baptisms, much as you do here at Journey, we invite anyone in the room. Is there anyone here who wants to say yes to Jesus and celebrate that together as a church family in the waters of baptism? So I ask the question, and it's sort of quiet for a while. Nobody says yes. And I'm about to end the service. I'm about to pray and end. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this young woman I had seen that morning with Pastor Ben. And Ben is wearing board shorts, and the first thought that comes through my mind is, he wasn't scheduled to baptize anyone today. Whose shorts are you wearing? You know, that's kind of weird. But then I push that thought out, and I realize this is that woman that I had seen in the morning. And Ben and this woman, her name is Margaret, they get into the waters of baptisms, and she's baptized. And long story short, I find out her, I hear more about her story later that week. This woman, Margaret, 24 hours before she was baptized on that Sunday, had been standing over a bridge in our city ready to end her life. And as she stood there, another woman, an older woman, happened to be driving by. And this older woman was driving to an appointment. But she saw Margaret standing on the bridge, didn't know her, but she pulled her car over, got out of the car, ran up to Margaret and said, I don't know you, you don't know me, but please stop. Please, please come down. Please, no matter what you're going through, I can try my best to help you. You're not alone. Please don't do this. Please, there's hope. Long story short, this woman talks Margaret off of the ledge, drives her home, 
And both of them, with tears in their eyes, this woman is hearing Margaret's story of brokenness and emptiness, and she is telling Margaret, please hang on, please hang on. Eventually, she says to Margaret, listen, there's this church down the road. Can I connect you with someone there that you can at least talk to? Margaret says yes, and 24 hours later, she's in our office praying and talking with one of our pastors, and then three hours later, she finds new life in Jesus in the waters of baptism. This is the power of please. When you would stop the mad rush of your life, the next thing you've got to get done, the thing that feels most convenient or comfortable for you, and instead, as Jesus did, to, to see others as greater than yourself, to honor them, to lift them up, to serve them, to humbly bring your whole self in loving desire and relationship toward anybody and everybody, regardless of how different they may be in personality or preferences or politics or opinions or whatever. Please has the power to literally save lives. And that power, God desires to move in and through you. So what's the please you need to speak into someone's life this holiday season? Maybe it's please stay, when really it'd be easier if they just went. Maybe it's please go first, when everything in you would rather not wait. Maybe it's please go on, when it'd be way more com comfortable for you if they would just stop. Maybe it's please tell me more, when it'd be far more convenient if they'd just keep it short. Maybe it's please. There's hope. There's life. There's possibility for you. Colossians 3. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Peace is possible for you, and for me, and for all those within our spheres of life. And you can make it happen. You can invite God by his spirit to bring peace in the midst of whatever chaos is before you through the power of a posture and a life that models please. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are so incredibly grateful today as we think about that almost shocking reality that you, the God of the universe, humbled yourself. You disadvantaged yourself. You took on the, the towel of a servant 
instead of the crown of a king in order to be obedient to God the Father's call to come down to the dirt of human mess to lift us up out of it by your grace. Help us to model that same posture of disadvantage and servanthood, humility and obedience. Help us to speak the powerful word of please. And as we do, use that word to bring peace to every relationship. We thank you, Jesus, who is our great Prince of Peace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Jordy Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Jordy Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.